Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to continue the series on the prosperity of the soul. And uh, we've been dealing with the idea of peace in the soul. And um, on at our last sitting, which was on... Wednesday evening, we started to lay the foundation of the present study in terms of peaceful habitations. This particular study is entitled Peace for the Seed, okay? Peace for the Seed. And um, I just want to bring correction to a thought that perhaps I led, I, I, I led you to believe, not led you to believe, it's true, but I just want to refine it a bit more. Psalm 22 says, let peace be within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. And we've been speaking often as though the walls are peace, right? And that prosperity dwells in the palaces. I'm beginning to think now that the walls aren't peace. I'm quoting Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7. It says, let me quote it, let, let peace be, not your walls, let peace be within your walls, right? Let peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. So if we depict this diagrammatically, if this outer circle represents a wall, this is let peace be in your walls. So peace must be the domain within the wall. And then the prosperity is characterized and depicted by the palace. Walls protect the palace. And from our study on Wednesday, I went home and I thought about this. I've now come to realize that the walls are righteousness. Okay? The walls are righteousness, okay? And if you look on, on page 1, Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, And the work of righteousness will be peace. The work of righteousness will be peace. So it says, if you have righteousness, its work or fruit or result will always be peace. So whenever you have righteousness, peace is a natural outflow of, of righteousness. And so... We spoke about a habitation of righteousness. Look at verse 18. The people will live in a peaceful habitation and secure in secure dwellings in undisturbed resting places. Undisturbed resting places. And what I spoke to you about is the context in which we live, the atmosphere, the environment. And this is what God is wanting in the presence dispensation to fine-tune. God is wanting to fine-tune our habitation. It must be characterized by peace. When I use the word habitation, I'm not just meaning your home. I'm talking about your spatial sphere of existence, wherever you might be at any part of the day. Whether you at work, whether you're driving your car, whether you're playing soccer on the field, uh, whether you're lying down in leisurely recreation, um, whether you're enjoying time with your kids, dinner at Spurs, alone with your wife in your bedroom, your habitation must be one of peace. I'll say it again. Your spatial sphere, your spatial sphere of movement or of existence must always be characterized 
by peace, right? Must be characterized by peace. Now we've just read that wherever you have righteousness, you will always have as a result peace. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say righteousness, peace, and joy. So peace exists between righteousness and joy. So the way I view it is like this. Peace is the fruit of righteousness, or peace is the outcome of righteousness. So you cannot have peace unless righteousness is firmly in place. Right? Peace will be a natural response or result of righteousness. And if you have peace, peace then becomes the basis upon which joy is built. Right? Nobody can have true joy unless that man is at peace. Right? So the kingdom, everyone say kingdom. So if you claim to be in the kingdom, I want to see in your life righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say in the Holy Ghost. Right? These things are impossible without the Holy Ghost. Right? He is the one who generates these dispositions within us. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the, in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Just quickly, um, I was selling jewels um, yesterday. I just studied most of the day. Um, I revamped this entire note. It's now 20 pages. I can't print it and re-give it. All I'll do is email it to you. You can print it at your leisure. Okay? The entire house will be emailed. I'll just add it to it. Just, Lord, open my, my eyes to a few things. But just quickly, what is righteousness then? We're going to define what righteousness is. Righteousness is right living. Righteousness from a practical point of view is doing what is right in the sight of God. Right? I want to give you some fanciful definition. Just something easy to remember. You want to know whether you are practically righteous or not. Ask yourself, am I doing what is right in the sight of God? Right? Positionally, you are righteous. Not so? You're all positionally righteous. For example, the scripture says, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So as long as I'm in Christ Jesus, my status in the realm of the Spirit is righteous. Right? But he who is positionally righteous must live practically righteous. Right? If you claim to have the state uh, called righteous, what you do, the decisions you make, must be fair, just, equitable, honest, filled with integrity. It must be the right thing to do. Righteousness is like paying your TV license. It's simply the right thing to do. Remember that old ad? <laughs> Pay your TV license. It's the right thing to do. I'll never forget that advertisement. Stuck in my mind. Pay your TV license. It's the right thing to do. So whenever I think of righteousness, I just think of that phrase. It's simply the right thing to do. It's not the wrong thing. It's what is just, fair, virtuous, blameless, integrous, upright, circumspect, just. It's the right thing to do. Two, it's the is the right thing to do. Amen. Now, I, I quoted this verse. I'm not sure if I sent it via the, the group on WhatsApp. I think I posted it on Facebook. Take this verse down. If you're taking notes, just add these verses into your note. Um, Isaiah 3:10. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them. I like this. Say to the righteous, it will go 
well with them. This is Isaiah 3 verse 10. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them. For they will eat the fruit of their actions. Right? Now you're going to bear the result of every action you take. You're going to bear the result of every act you do. Practical righteousness is two things. It's thinking right and doing right. Attitude and act. Belief and behavior. Thought and the doing of it. Okay? And you're going to reap results. It is so dangerous in the present economy in which we live. Listen carefully. After all this congregation has heard. To so badly now, is you're going to, be, you're going to regret it. I'm sounding a warning. I feel by the Spirit. If, after all we've heard up to this point, all that we know now. You know why? I sense in my spirit, this environment, our present economy, is so ripe with reward. You're going to be rewarded one way or the other. You sow a bad seed, you will reap a harvest. You sow a good seed, you're still going to reap a harvest. Reap, you will. But bear this in mind. Your harvest will be always greater than the original seed sown. Right? What's going to come back to you will be always in multiple ways than the initial act or attitude that you invested. Now, it's so serious. Where I am now, it's not even an act. It's a thought. If you even think wrongly in the season, it's dangerous. Right? So there's the imperative of the Lord that comes to bear upon us in this local house where I hear the Lord saying, Be righteous. Think right do right. Think virtuously, do virtuously for however you think and whatever you do, I will reward you far more than the original seed thought or seed act that you have sown. Amen? So it's very, very, very important. Kinds of thoughts I entertain must be integrous, must be honorable, must be virtuous. Okay? Because every act will be rewarded from the Lord. That's what I hear um, the Lord saying, even to my own spirit. Amen? Now, what we did on Wednesday is, we looked at the connection between righteousness, peace, and the attendant blessing of um, productivity. In your notes, just to ensure that you are following on page one, we spoke about good things. Amen? No good thing will God withhold from them that walk uprightly. Amen. Everyone say good things. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and He gives glory. No good thing. Everyone say good thing. Come on, say it again. Good thing. No good thing will God keep back from the man that walks uprightly before Him. If you position yourself in uprightness, there's nothing that God will withhold from you. Amen. And I, I said this word, tob. Everyone say tob. Easy in the Hebrew, T-O-B. Tob literally means that which is well-pleasing, fruitful, morally correct, pleasing to the senses, proper, convenient. Right? And then, in your notes on the next page, I think, I listed some of the actual implications of this word, tob. So the good things that come to you, for example, are things that are pleasing and appealing to the senses, things that are useful and profitable, abundant and plentiful, kind and benevolent, proper and becoming, 
good in a moral sense as opposed to evil, right? A gentle state of well-being and happiness. And it's always the better of two alternatives. All these thoughts are just encapsulated in that one word, a good thing. Who would like a good thing? He who finds a wife, finds a good thing. <laughs> Proverbs. <laughs> so even if you, when you find a wife, all of these thoughts are encapsulated in that idea of good, useful, beneficial, proper, appealing to the senses, convenient, right? And I hope the better of two alternatives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone say good thing. I want you to repeat this after me. I emailed you this, I think, on Saturday or Friday. I don't know where. I want you to declare this with me. Okay? Stand quickly. Stand. Now, repeat after me. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives me grace. He gives me glory. No good thing will God keep back from me. When I walk uprightly and in righteousness. Now, I'm going to say these declarations. Repeat them after me. All implications of this word. Good thing. Repeat after me. No useful and proper thing. No useful and profitable thing. Will God keep back from me. Because I walk uprightly. As you say this, lift your hands to the heavens. No abundant or plentiful thing. Say it again. No abundant or plentiful thing will God keep back from me because I walk uprightly. No kind and benevolent thing will God keep back from me because I walk uprightly. No morally good thing will God keep back from me because I walk uprightly. No thing designed for my well-being no thing designed for my happiness will God keep back from me because I walk uprightly. God will always give me the better of two alternatives because I walk uprightly. No good thing appealing and pleasant to my senses will God keep back from me. Because I walk uprightly. Now shake a few people's hand and say, expect some good things to come your way. Some good things, amen? Um, as I was studying this, and the Lord just impressed upon my heart, that's why I sent the email, and I was in my office making these declarations and praying in the Spirit, etc. I said, God, I thank you that all of these things will be in my experience. And I want to encourage you. Um, I, I sensed on Wednesday the temperature of many of our spirits was like low. I sensed it in the Spirit. Because many of us on practice praying in tongues on a daily basis. You must pray in tongues regularly. Keep your spirit, like we said, remember all the spirit checklists? Keep your spirit fervent. Keep it buoyant. Keep it engaged. Right? You know why? Because, like I say, the word we hear from Vinod is very important. The state of your you hear with your spirit. So this kind of, when you obey, your motivation for obedience is, is going to be based on how you've heard the word 
based on the character of the spirit that you possess. Amen? So I hope your spirits are alive. Right? Right now, shrug of sleep, shrug of physical lethargy, fago, uh, shrug of... And let's say fago, not the other one. Right? Shrug of sleep, fertility, any kind. You know why? You sit and the sound world, it doesn't bear fruit because you heard wrongly. And you heard wrongly because you walk into a meeting depressed. You walk in, spirit low, I can sense it, spirit dropping. No prayer, no word in the week, and you expect fruit to come from the word. I've labored for weeks on this issue of how to hear. How you hear from your spirit will determine what is produced. Amen. So now whenever I go to Thamo, and, and we bring on Wednesday, and I sit under his word, you know what? I prepare, I literally prepare to hear. I, I tell myself, no matter what I'm going through, I'm sitting under the sound of my father's voice. He's going to speak from the heavens. My ground, the landscape of my heart, is going to be ready to catch everything that is released. Right? In the fertile soil of my heart, things are going to bloom, and things are going to, to, to blossom. Amen? So how you hear is important. We don't have time to repeat all the Esom lessons that we've done up to this point. Right? It's incumbent. You are responsible because I can guarantee you, I'll say this again, Thomas said this to us, do not be a part, do not be a failed part of a successful family. Do not become the failed statistic of a group that is thriving successfully. Right? Because when that happens, when that, when that occurs, it will then be symptomatic of the fact that you're all hearing the same thing, all are hearing the same word, but some are 60, 30, some are 60, and some are a hundredfold. Amen? So I want to encourage you, hear, hear, hear accurately. Amen? And then, okay, we, we, we said, just to quickly go to this, a prepared context. I won't have time to explain this. I did so on, on Wednesday. Um, Another benefit you will also have is clarity of vision. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. On page four, sorry, point four is healing. Those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. There will be favor and grace shed upon you. Psalm 512, right? You bless the righteous, you surround him with favor. If you're righteous, God will surround you with favor. On page three at the top, uh, we spoke about fertility and, and productivity. Fertility and productivity. And so I want to encourage you to, to ensure that you maintain your righteousness. And just here, I want to give you a few more verses that I located. When you are righteous, when you are righteous, peace will be in your environs in your atmosphere, in your habitation, in your spatial sphere of existence, will be characterized by peace. And wherever peace is, prosperity will abound. Right? Wherever peace is, prosperity will abound. So long as your walls of righteousness are in place. Psalm 92 verse 12 says the following, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. You've got to add this one in. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit even in old age. How's that? The righteous still heals his fruit even in old age. 
He will be full of sap and very green. Right? To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I thank God. I'm even declaring now. Even as I mature into old age. That I will still be abundantly fruitful in everything I put my hands to. Right? My levels. And I declare over you. Please grab this with your spirit if you're hearing correctly. I declare over you that as you grow older. Your level of prosperity and abundance and effectiveness, excuse me, on all that you do will increase. It will not diminish with the passing of age. In fact, it's going to increase with the passing of age. Right? People look at you and you say, you're 50, it's downhill from now on. It's not the same. Is it 40? I don't know. You're 50, it's all the way down. Right? You must correct declarations on the spot and say, not so with me. Right? In fact, tell them, I'm just about starting, right, for your information. I'm about to go and bear greater fruit, even in my old age, far more than I've ever done in my latter or earlier years, rather. My former years were blessed. Job's latter was greater than his, than his former. You know what the Bible says about Job? He came to the grave in full vigor. That's full vigor means was perfectly healthy when he died. Perfectly strong when it was time for God to take him out of the earth. How is that? Coming to the grave in absolute confidence. Amen. He must have died for some reason. I'm not sure the scripture doesn't record the cause of his death, but he died. But it says he came to the grave in full vigor, having twice the levels of prosperity. In fact, you know, I was reading it the other day. Job broke all protocol. He had three daughters. The Bible says, and he broke custom. Some versions of the Bible says, and he broke with established custom by giving to each daughter the right of inheritance. Because only sons got that, not daughters. And he broke protocol in his day. Set a brand new pattern. Okay? It will be well with the righteous man, the scripture says. Even his descendants will be blessed. There's a psalm. Even his descendants will be blessed. Amen? So I really want to encourage you, if you hear my heart this morning, maintain doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Maintain thinking what is right in the sight of the Lord. Maintain your righteousness, thinking and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Quickly jot these down for the sake of time. I want to get on to something else. I'm just, I, want, I want to get these few things out of the way. Take these references down. This is all under this point on, on page 3 of wood, of, of fertility and productivity. Proverbs 15 verse 6 says, Great wealth is in the house of the righteous. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Proverbs eleven thirty verse A. First part of that. 30a, sorry. The fruit of righteous is a tree of life. Now, just that is a great revelation. Because the tree of life was in the garden. It says the fruit of the righteous is like the tree of life. Hmm? You're touching eternity and immortality. Psalm 37 verse 19b. In the days of famine, the righteous will have abundance. Psalm 37 verse 25. I love this one. I have been young. And now I am old. I have never seen 
the righteous man forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. All day long he is gracious and he lends, and his descendants are a blessing. I want, I can't quote this verse now because I'm not old. <laughs> I think David says, I have been young, now I'm old. Okay, so I'm not there yet. Maybe some of you can quote this verse. I can't relate to this verse because I'm like in between. Okay, so he says, I have been young. In other words, I've lived a long time. have been young, now I'm old. And his testimony is this. One thing I've noted in life as I've lived, he says, I have never, ever seen a righteous man forsaken. Never mind him. His children and his, his generations after him, his seed. I've never, ever seen him or his seed begging for bread. But the descendants of the righteous will become a blessing. Amen? Let me just say this. I, I want to encourage you. Don't, um, this might be controversial what I'm about to say, but I don't expect you to be perfect. Although the Bible says be, Matthew 5, or at the end of the Beatitudes, says be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Don't expect you to be perfect in every way, but I do expect you to be righteous. What do I mean by that? In the context of what we are talking about, I expect you, blessed are they, Beatitudes, which hunger and thirst after. Everyone say hunger and thirst. I expect of you to have this as a goal within you. I expect of you to have this as a objective. I expect there to be in you, do you have a hunger and do you have a thirst? And what is it for? Your hunger and your thirst must be for righteousness. For the Bible says, if that is the case, you shall be filled. Now, it doesn't mean that because you are practically righteous that you won't from time to time fall. Because the scriptures even says, the righteous man falls seven times. The righteous man falls seven times, right? But out of all of his troubles, the Lord delivers him. The Lord delivers him. His heart is to always please his God. He doesn't willfully, deliberately sin. But where the, the instruction of the Lord is given to him, and the, there is the word of the Lord that comes to him, he, like Vanola says, his motivation to obey is because, like that letter, is connected to the Lord in the heavens. There's a frequency of God speaking that it prompts him to live righteously on the earth. Remember, Noah was blameless in his day. Scripture says, and Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a righteous man. What does Noah mean? The name? Come on, say it louder. Rest. What does rest imply? Peace. Noah was a man of rest and peace. So was Solomon. The word Solomon means rest, right? It says, you want to be the embodiment of the rest or the peace principle, you must live by the principle of of righteousness, right? Live by the principle of, of righteousness. Now, quickly, what page are we on? Your page. I've got different pages to use. Okay, page three. Notice Isaiah 60 verse 7. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. And I will make peace your administrators and righteousness your overseers. Right? I spoke to you on Wednesday that if two things are in place, if peace 
is your administrator of, of your life. If peace is the manager, the governing principle of your life. And righteousness gives oversight to the entire thing. Peace administrates, righteousness gives oversight. Then God says, notice what he says. Uh, and the way I headed this, there's going to be an upgrade in the quality of your provision. You're going to go from wood to bronze to gold, if that's where you're functioning. Wood, bronze, gold. Say it with me, wood, bronze, gold. Wood, bronze, gold. W-B-G. If you want an acronym. And then he says, if you're at the next level, which is stone, stone, iron, and silver. Sus. S-I-S. Stone, iron, silver. What is it saying? God is saying, your wood, I will take you up to bronze. Your bronze, I will take it to gold. Your stone, I will take to iron. Your iron, I will take to, to silver. God is saying, when peace administrates, there's going to be an upgrade in your qualitative provision. Amen. Now, ask your neighbor, have you heard what God just said to you? Ask them again, have you heard what God just said to you? Because how you hear this, you know, sometimes something, a word, a sentence can grab your spirit. And you leave the meeting only with that thought. And you walk in life. And then you, you walk in your work or your, your relationships with people. And you suddenly sense subtly an upgrade in the quality of lifestyle. Quality of which God provides for you is suddenly upgrading. The basis and the premise for all of this is peace and righteousness. So long as you have peace administrating, so long as you have righteousness as an overseer, it says, God says, I'm going to take your wood uh, to bronze, to gold, your stone, to iron, to, to silver, and things will go well with you. Amen. Let's go over the page where I really want to get to. Now. Okay. I spoke about seeds in the kingdom. Okay. On page four. And seed has various applications in the Bible. Just to rehearse them quickly. Some of the parables are likened unto seed. The word of God is seed. Um, actual person, sons of the kingdom, the embodiment of the word, the, the word becomes flesh, that is the representation of seed. In Galatians 3, Christ is the, the seed. In one of the parables, the seed is likened unto the infectious and all-pervasive nature of the, of the kingdom of God. In Luke 17, 6, faith is likened unto a seed, and also the giving of money is likened unto a seed. But also, uh, something, just add this in. Put another dot there. Just add this in. Righteousness is also a seed. Righteousness is also a, a seed. And that is Isaiah 61 and verse 11. It will tell you that righteousness too is a reflection or an indication of the, of the seed principle. Right? So when you sow righteousness, what will you reap? Peace, right? When you always do what is right in God's sight, or think what is right in God's sight, the result will always manifest in your life as, as peace. Where you have peace as your administrator, God says prosperity and the upgrade of qualitative provision 
will automatically be be yours. Right? These are keys, clues, secrets I'm giving you. All you do is employ the key and get the result. Employ the key and get the result. Now, peace for the seed, quickly, the bottom. Peace for the seed is what I want to focus on. I said this to you. Let me quote this verse. Powerful, powerful portion of Scripture. Zechariah 8 verse 12 says the following. There will be peace for the seed. Say it with me, peace for the seed. That's my favorite catchphrase presently this week, the past two weeks. God, I'm saying I want to have peace. Yes, many blessings. I want to have peace, but I want to have peace for my seed. When you sow seeds, what do you envisage? What do you anticipate? A harvest comes back to Harvest comes back to you. But now God is saying, don't just have seed. Have peace for the seed. Because the potential of your seed could be lost or not fully realized at least if you sow seed in strife, you sow seed in tension, you sow seed absent. has got to be sown within the environment of peace. Let's read the scripture. Remember I spoke to you about the habitation, the environ, your spatial sphere of existence. Now if you sow seed, listen carefully to where I'm going, any seed sown within the environment of peace will be usually successful. The harvest will come to you. Amen. Let's read it. One of my favorite verses of scripture. For there will be peace for the seed. Now here's the result. The vine will heal its fruit. The land will heal its produce. The heavens will give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit or to inherit all things. The CEV version says your crops are planted in peace. Seeds will thrive in peace in peace time. Not so. Seeds will thrive in peacetime. Now, any of the representations of seed that I spoke about earlier, so long as they are sown within an environment of peace or peacetime or in peace, they will always yield a positive, positive result. I want to reread Leviticus 26 from verse 3 onwards. Okay? Leviticus 26. If you walk in my statutes and you keep my commandments so as to carry them out, you can write the word obedience right there next to that verse. If you walk, in other words, God's saying if you live obediently, if you bring your life to a place of obedience, then God says, verse 4, God says, I will give you rains in their seasons so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. That's powerful, eh? God's saying, you walk obediently before me, you're going to precipitate rain. Activate, catalyze, initialize the release of rain upon your life. Simply walk uprightly before me. No good thing will I withhold from you. Hmm? Indeed, your, I like the next verse, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering. Your grape gathering will last until sowing time, you will eat your food in full and live securely in the land. 
That means between harvest seasons, there's no gap. You're always reaping. Everyone say always reaping. Right? To come to a place of constant reaping, you must live at a place of constant sowing. Right? And like I said, sow your seeds of righteousness. Daily, daily sow the right thing. Every thought is a seed. Every act is a seed. Just daily sow the right thing. Right? It doesn't have to be finance. It could be a kind thought, a kind deed, a good email to a friend, kind word, an expression of help to a brother, word of encouragement or consolation. Every day I wake up and I praise Mary, what goodness have I sown today? I'm not works-oriented. Don't get me wrong. It's not like laboring under the law. That's not what we're we, we into. Right? It's just living for God and living right. Your whole life is a seed. Let me say this. If you scandal about somebody, prepare yourself to hear something about you, but it's going to be worse than what you've sown. Because you've sown scandal, what you're going to reap? Scandal. What a, God is, Galatians says like this, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, wouldn't it be interesting, why did Paul preface the principle by saying these words, God is not mocked? Couldn't he have just said, listen guys, be careful what you do, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But he specifically says, he prefaces the principle by saying this, God is not mocked. In other words, what I think he's saying, he's trying to tell us is, God will never ever violate the principle he set in place. Don't think you can engage in negative seed sowing and ask God to change it, the result, because he loves you. God is a God who stands true to principle. So Paul is saying, mock means to turn up the nose, to sneer at somebody. You know when you mock someone, you deride them. You think nothing of them. So Paul says, don't think you can do that to God. God is not mocked. Don't think, listen carefully, this is the Rand of Bonnell version, chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> Don't think you can convince God to change an unalterable principle that he has set as a law in place. That if you sow negativity, you're going to not reap it and you're simply going to depend on God's nature to change it for you. God will stand true to his principle, especially when you know the principle and you violate it. God will, you know what, in the original Greek it reads like this. God will not allow himself to be mocked. Right? He will not allow himself whatever. In other words, you are responsible for every single one of your sowing and your reaping. Everyone say, I'm personally responsible. Right? So who wants to change the quality of your life? Let me ask you this. Who wants to change what you are harvesting? Who wants to change what you are reaping? Simply change what you are sowing. I, I dare you. One month, live righteously. One month. One month, do the right thing every day. Not some days. One month. Think the right things every day. One month, say the right things every day. One month, watch all of your conversations and see what God will do for you. You 
I can't get away from this. You are personally responsible for your personal state of affairs right now. And everyone said, hmm. Come on, say it loudly. That's a good amen. It's a nice place to say amen. I know it hits hard, it hits home. But let me just say this. We love everyone in the kingdom. But I'm more committed to the observance of kingdom principles than pleasing people. You do the right thing, you get God's result. Not so? Amen? You do the right thing, you get the result of the Lord. How do we get onto all of that? Ezekiel 26. Verse 5 speaks about no gap between reaping. Right? And look at verse 6. I will grant you peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you tremble. How's that? Everyone say peace in the land. What I want to stress is note the context for this, for this, for this idea of lavish growth, no gap in harvest, rains giving way. God says the context for this is peace in the land. It's like God is saying, as long as there's this peace principle prevailing in your life, I will bless you. Okay? I will bless you indeed. Now, before we read, let me just stress the principle. What we are going to stress now and next week Sunday is this. Listen carefully. Everyone say peaceful spatial sphere. Or peaceful habitation. Right? Now, in, if you're going to live as a man and a woman of peace, what I want to stress to you is not only must you be peaceful internally, but you must also be a man and a woman of peace relationally. This is such a clue, I can't stress how easy this key is for prosperity. That if you are a man of peace and you work on all of your relationships, even, that, even those of your enemies, because you have some of those, don't you? I'm sure you all do. Even if you don't think you do, there's a revelation for you. You've got an enemy somewhere. Somebody somewhere doesn't like you. <laughs> and the Bible says, even amongst those, you must show yourself perfect and righteous. I want to stress righteousness in relationships. Because when you are righteous relationally, and you exhibit the principle of peace with all men. Talk about that next week. It says as much as it lies within your power, you live peaceably with all men. You're going to see how the blessing of the Lord will break forth, break forth upon you. Amen. I was busy raking outside of my yard yesterday. And a brother that I hadn't seen for ages was driving past Tara Road. And he stopped. He saw me. And he got out. And we had a long chat, almost of an hour. Chatting, chatting, chatting. Um, I had things to do, but I deferred them because I saw his need for fellowship. And he said this to me. He said, hey, Randolph, he says, what we had years ago, he doesn't have with the brothers he's with now. Where you could just talk like this, talk about the word, with, without watching your back, without being suspicious uh, about who's plotting or scheming. I'm talking about in the kingdom. About who's going to plot or scheme against you. And um, the Lord was saying to me, so yeah, so relationally. Watch how you talk, even about other brothers. 
be fair, be equitable. Watch your words. Right? And I really want to encourage you. And after, the, after he left, the Lord, I heard literally the Lord saying, tick, pass the test, tick. Right? It could have gone, the whole conversation could have gone scandalous, dragging people's names in the mud. Right? I now do this because Thamud does it. I've got this um, habit of his now. Whenever there's a temptation to speak disparagingly about someone, and someone asks me for my opinion on a matter or circumstance in which the brother did ill, I do this. Hold my heart. So I want to guard my heart. And I'll respond. I do this conscious to say, keep your mouth in check. Keep the integrity of your heart. Right? And do not, dis- do not listen carefully, do not um, override or set aside the peace principle by which I'm calling you to function. Right? Even with your enemies, bless them. Speak well of them. Send them good emails. Right? The Bible even says, you know it says, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. God says, I'll give you peace. One of the expressions of peace is quietness and confidence. And you know what the Bible says? Even a soft answer turns away wrath. Just be peaceful. Amen? Ask your neighbor, are you the picture of peace? Become the picture of peace. Become the representation of peace. I'm telling you, the kinds of things God are going to cause us to steward will, will increase dramatically. Say it again, peace for the seed. What I want you to think about from now, even until next week's Sunday, about Zechariah 8.12, where it says, I give you peace for the seed. What I want to stress is peace there, yes, internally, but peace in all of your relationships is going to cause your seed, even your financial offering, to thrive. Right? Any expression of, of peace. Let's finish Leviticus 26. Look at verse 5. Eh? It says, uh, you will chase your enemy and they will fall before you by the, by the, by the sword. Not so? Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred will chase ten thousand and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and I will multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. Now, isn't it interesting? Let me just do some maths here quickly. Now, it, it literally says five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred will chase ten thousand. So five of you, the ratio is five of you chase a hundred and it says a hundred will chase how much? Ten thousand. How's your maths? Okay, the maths lesson quickly. <laughs> okay. If you simplify this ratio, it's one is to what? One is to 20, not so? If you simplify the ratio, you know, simplify the topic simplification of ratios, I wonder what it's called, but something like that in any case. So five is to 20 equates to one, so five is to 100 equates to one is to 20. What will this simplify to? One is to? One is to a? 100. Okay, drop the notes here. Drop the notes. 1 is to 100. Right? Now, let me ask you, if I didn't give you this, and if I just told you, God says to you, listen carefully, 
when there's peace in your relationships and peace in your land, and I'm going to come and I'm going to bless you. Part of the blessing of the Lord is this, listen carefully, an exponential increase of effectiveness. Is this impressive? Five, five, think of five warriors chasing a hundred warriors. There's five guys, a hundred warriors coming, and these five chase them. Don't fight them. They tell you never no fight. This is about chasing people, not fighting them. So the enemy comes, but the enemy, I can just picture just a battle scene. A hundred guys on horses, and they can't see the enemy. As they come over the hill, they just see these five guys standing. And a hundred decide, this is not going to work. We better kick down. <laughs> we better balega. We better go, and the five start chasing them. That's the image I get when I read this portion of, of Scripture. Now, is five guys chasing a hundred impressive? Is it impressive or what? <laughs> okay. So if you simplify the ratio, each man, each man's capacity in the five, each one of them is capable of dethroning 20 in the others, in the other camp, right? Is that impressive? Everyone say impressive, right? But now this, if you have a hundred guys and in the similar position, and there's 10,000 warriors coming against them, the 10,000 see their representation and decide this fight is not on. We're definitely going to lose. We better go. And the hundred start chasing the, um, the 10,000. The simplification of this ratio equates to one of those warriors being responsible for a hundred in the enemy. My point is this. Both scenarios are equally impressive. But this scenario, the power of one is further amplified, right? The capacity of one is further enhanced in that in this camp, one guy has got the ability to deal with a hundred guys. In this scenario, one guy can over, only deal more or less with, with 20, right? Both scenarios depict in these group, in the five and in the hundred, harmony, oneness. Everyone say oneness. There's an Ebronic culture here of conjugal, confederate alliances, oneness. These guys are tight. They are knitted. For want of a better description, for the sake of our purposes, I'm going to suggest to you, all these guys are at peace, relationally. Right? And they both amplify, the, the effectiveness, let me say it like this. If a hundred came over the hill and there's only one guy standing there, they probably would attack you. Right? So the, the, the capacity of one is negligible. But when you locate the one in the five, his capacity is dramatically enhanced. Hmm? It's about how you're positioned in relationship to others that increases your effectiveness. It's how you are poised relationally that takes what you're able to do way beyond your individual capacity, but because you function from a context of oneness, peace, alliance, conjugal relationships, it's enhanced. Now, let me just finish by saying this. That's fine. This is more better. Each one's effectiveness goes up. This one goes further than this one. And what the Lord spoke to me is this. Right now, and I'll say this prophetically to us, right now in our local church, here, I believe, 
we are maybe here, maybe. Can I say maybe? If we can, if we can just get five of us together on the same page. There's no telling what we were able to do. But if we can get the same principle spread out to more people, the effectiveness of each one in that group will automatically go up. If you take the experience, let's say, of Johnny. Johnny is one of the five. Remember the movie, The 300? I want to make a movie called The Five. Okay. <laughs> or maybe The Hundred. Listen carefully. Grace. What five speaks of? Grace. Not so? Grace. Right? Hundreds are multiple of five. So this speaks of multiplied grace. Exponential grace. Johnny. Everyone say Johnny. So Johnny is one of the five here. This is day one. Johnny is one of the five. He's four brews on next to him. There's a hundred guys approach them, see the representation. They bolt. Johnny with the other four chases them. Right? Next day, Johnny, I mean, this word spreads that if we become throughout the whole community, if we become like the five, let's try this. So the next day, Johnny is with the other four, but there's now a hundred of them. And now Johnny suddenly realizes, let's see if this is going to work again. Now he's saying, I'm ready to kill 20 people. Because yesterday, I killed 20. I'm ready now to kill another 20. And Johnny suddenly realizes, by virtue of the fact that this principle has spread to more people, my personal capacity went up from 20. I killed 100 today. Not 20. 20 I killed here. Can you see the principle? What I'm stressing, brethren, is don't hang on the fringes of this thing about perfecting your relationships. Don't defer it one day more. I want the effectiveness of this house to go up. Everyone, in fact, if, you, if we go on the next day and there's still five of us and Johnny's looking about where are the other guys? Because the more come, the more each one of our effectiveness goes up. So the more you don't subscribe to the principle, you are not only holding your own destiny up, but in fact, you are holding and you're limiting the effectiveness of others in the group. Hmm? So tell your neighbor, don't delay me any further. You know what the men of David came to Hebron? They said this to him, especially the men of Judah, with the first lot who came to him at Hebron. They said this to him, O son of Jesse, we are bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. We are at one with you. And they said, remember, um, I think it was Amasai, one of the prophets, uh, the group from a certain, not from Judah, from a certain tribe, I forget which, which tribe they were, they wanted to join David, and David said this to them, if you come in peace, everyone say peace. David said this, if you come into peace, my heart will be knit with your heart. But if you are coming to be part of my group, to betray me to my enemies, may God judge and may God deal with you. Right? Then Amasai, the prophet, stood up and he said, Peace, peace to you, O son of David. And peace, peace, double shalom. Peace, peace be to all those who help you in war. These guys understood this. That's why they were called and they became part of the mighty men of David. One guy with, I think it was a jawbone, killed 800 men. The capacity of one suddenly rises when he 
when, when, he, when he links in peace, in relationship with a God-ordained leader at Hebron, which speaks about peace and conjugal relationships, and the effectiveness goes up. Look at the last verse. Okay, last verse. We're going to stop here. Okay, we're stopping in the middle of nowhere again. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about this. I'm saying, God, <laughs> give me the hundred. I've been functioning at the five. Give me the hundred. I want to I wanna beg of you, church, sons. Relate to myself. When I say my, myself, I'm including Renee, my wife. Relate to us more closely, more conjugally, in peace, and watch your effectiveness go up. Secondly, relate to other sons in the house in absolute peace, harmony, no tension, and see what kinds of blessings God is going to give to this house. Thirdly, relate to the broader body of Christ. Next week, Wednesday is our first combined meeting under Thamos household, Wednesday evening here. It's not just about us. It's about the broader body of Christ in the city. Relate to other people in other churches, in other houses. They are your brothers. They are part of the body of, of Christ. Relate if you had work to your superior in a righteous fashion. If you're employed by a boss, relate to him. If you are a superior or supervisor, relate to those under your oversight in absolute integrity, righteousness. Right? If you're the manager and the owner of your own business, those you employ, Relate to them in the way God expects you. Then relate to your enemies in terms of protocol that is biblically acceptable. What am I saying? Then maybe house uh, uh, your spouse, relate to your wife in accordance with biblically prescribed uh, uh, principles of righteousness. Right? If you have children, to relate to them in, in a specific way. If you are a child, relate to your parents in a specific way. What am I saying? There's a host of varying relationships that we must bring rectitude and rightness to. When God sees that, God will bless you. Look at the last verse. Then verse 10 comes into play. Look at verse 9. I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old supply and clear it out because of the new. You will eat the old supply and clay it out because of the new. Amen? What does that mean? In other words, your biggest problem is going to be the rate at which the, the next harvest is coming. That's your biggest problem in life. Who would like that as a problem? <laughs> my, 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 you know, God is saying, clay out the old quickly because the new is about to fill it. That's your biggest dilemma is how to handle what God is going to do in your life. Amen? Are you ready for that? Two more scriptures quickly, then I'll close. Just, I'm not going to comment on them much. Take the references down and they will close. In fact, it's just one more. It's Psalm, 100, it's Psalm 29 verse 8. It says this, short verse. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. If you are in a wilderness right now, Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing and it will spring up. Right? I will make a roadway in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. Now, isn't that strange? Think of a desert, literal desert, maybe. What's the desert in Africa again? 
the Sahara, Kalahari. Think of a desert and think of a river coming from nowhere and <laughs> just through this barren land. God says, I'm going to break the norm. I'm going to break what is acceptable. I'm going to break what you deem to be compatible with this environment and I'm going to break, I'm going to do the strange, the supernatural. God says, I will make a river in the desert, right? I will make a roadway in the wilderness. How's that? <laughs> Someone's lost in the country. There's a highway here. <laughs> I can find my way, right? And Psalm 29 verse 8 says, I will, listen carefully, what I felt yesterday afternoon, this verse dropped into my spirit while praying in tongues. I was just practicing my, my spirit before the Lord. Deep cries unto deep. The Lord's saying, uh, Randolph, this morning when you declare the word, my word, my voice in you is going to break the desert. The voice of the Lord, not breaks, shakes. Everyone say shakes, the wilderness. And the word shakes is the Hebrew word which means to cause to give birth. To cause birth pangs and to cause to give birth. Now do you know some lush, fruitful productivity can emit from a desert experience? Everyone say yeah accurately. So I want to challenge you. How you've heard this morning, the voice can shake your aridness. The voice of the Lord, not my voice, the voice of God through me can shake your wilderness and you can be fruitful and have the blessing of the Lord within your life. Amen? Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray. Dip your hands to the heavens. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your word shakes the wilderness of my life. Your voice breaks the cedars of Levin. The voice of the Lord, it says, is upon the waters. The voice of the Lord is upon the deep. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of my life. Father, I pray that every trace of barrenness would go at the sound of your voice. At the accurate hearing of your voice, let it break, Father, every desert experience. We want to clear out the old because the new is coming. Righteousness and peace will be both the administrators and the oversight in my life. And you will cause all these people to possess all things. Thank you, Father, for exponential increase of personal capacity. In every single one of us, I declare that each one's ability will go, Father, from the 20 to the 100. Five times more. Everyone say five times more. Come on, say it louder. Five times more. Father, even as we've just read in your word, the power, the power of joining, the power of peaceful relationships and contexts amplifies my effectiveness to, to five times more. Thank you for the power of grace. I speak righteousness. I speak peace. I pray where we need to forgive people, we would do that, but that we would function in absolute, peaceful, harmonious relationships, and you will see our righteousness, God. The seed of righteousness will produce the fruit of peace. And the habitation of peace will be fertility, productivity, growth, and increase. I thank you, Father, these things shall be our experience. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.